Young Marble Giants and Final Day, um, which has a very similar plot to uh, the Canadian film Last Night, um, which has anyone here seen? Is that the no, one it's where quite it's got though. someone famous playing a gas executive? David Cronenberg, yes, yes, plays uh, plays a gas executive who rings up all the customers to thank them for uh, getting gas off them. Um, it's one of those. It's it's a, it's what, a individual. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the nine million names of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Similarly, but I mean, when he finishes the world ends. <laughs> yeah. Who <laughs> <Yeah>, knows? <laughs> they know the, the film. The film is never clear on what is ending the world, but they know it's going to happen at a particular time. Okay. And um, and that's, it's just yeah, that's a sensible way around. Really. Yeah, and it's just the kind of preparations for that, so people knock off work early, <laughs> and you know, bring games in. Um, it's, it's 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 you know, there's, it's it's one of those shortcutsy esque, you know, lots of different stories going on, which occasionally intersect. But there's some very nice... It's, I recommend it to lots of people, but obviously if no-one else has seen it, then it's not really worth talking about. Um, but movie, movie, movie um, end-of-the-world scenarios are, can be a bit disappointing. That's, that's what I think. I think... Um, actually, I think maybe I'm just a particularly warped person who finds happy endings disappointing in and of themselves. But the last 20 minutes of a film generally are the most disappointing 20 minutes of a film, and particularly so with apocalypse films. Mm. If you're promised an apocalypse, it doesn't come. You're promised an apocalypse, and it doesn't come, and everyone kind of shouts and is... But the film hasn't managed to properly convince you that the apocalypse was coming, so you never quite have Mm. the catharsis you're supposed to be having. So instead you kind of sit there and go, yeah, I mean, Armageddon... Armageddon He's got back together with his wife. Armageddon is a classic of this, which, I mean, let's be fair, that's one... It's got the big word in its title. It's Armageddon. It's called Armageddon. There's a giant rock that's coming to Earth... At the end of it, end of the day, the the death toll seems to be two, three, maybe two, three, maybe. I mean, I've I've got a feeling that one's well, a lead character, which is worth yes. more. Obviously, than the death 10 of Bruce, million people. the death <laughs> of Bruce Willis um, is kind of you know. Is, it, I think we, we would all feel it, um, much like yeah. we all feel the death of Michael Jackson. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, they don't do any moonwalking on that rock, do they? No, um, they do not. They don't. But yes, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, Death Toll is about Asteroid three or walking. four. Asteroid walking. Yeah, yeah it's. 
And yeah, so there's 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 that. I mean, Magnus, you you you've you've, you've categorised. Oh, well, categorised maybe a bit strong, but here's... <laughs> <laughs> you've got a list. I've got yeah. Um, well, his first question. We're talking about types of Armageddon, right? What's the plural of Armageddon? There isn't one. It's the Armageddon. It's like like the truth. Now, Armageddon, Armageddon is a place. Is that right, Nick? It is. Yeah. It's where I mean, we've been talking as if it's about the end of the world. It's not. Yeah. Strictly strict speaking, it's something that happened a long time before the end of the world. It's you know in, in the Christian. Tradition, it's uh, there's a battle at, at the place Armageddon, um, and then um, and then um, God wins, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for he reigns for a thousand years over over the world, and everyone's quite happy. And then uh, then it's like, well, okay, the end of the fun. Now we're having Judgment Day, so that's the actual. Um, you know, there's, there's a difference in that sense between the end of the that's world. That's the original millennium, isn't it? Is the, the original millennium, is as the in the year 1000. No, the, the millennium is the thousand years that happens after the end of the world when Christ reigns in glory. Right. Which kind of delay yeah, the, whole the bit where everything... I don't know what happens so after that's the like thousand the years are up. But well, that's, that's the good bit. It's the great white throne, um, Judgment and Day. And presumably and, you know, people all the people who actually live during the millennium... Mm. I mean, there's not going to be that many people who aren't going to get into heaven who are actually around while Christ was reigning in glory. It strikes me right. that they've, they've got a hint there, haven't they? Yeah. They live a good life. <laughs> well, I think there are yeah. actually some other people who have been massing the, the, the around uh, the Gog and Magog who have been kind of um, yeah, not growing people, in though, strength. They're giants. Yeah. Well, well they, I think they, I think they could be like Gog and players. I think so t- Gog and Magog is kind of a bit. <laughs> <laughs> people aren't quite sure what it's supposed to. It's supposed to seem. <laughs> I mean, there are various people associated who will be massing in this time, and then we'll, there'll be a final sort of showdown where yeah. where Satan gets thrown into a. a pit oh, or something. well, Armageddon but, too. <laughs> this time it's <laughs> this time it's Satan. <laughs> this time it's, it's all a bit. It's all a little bit. It's a bit of a puzzle to work out exactly what's going to happen. So let's let's not call it Armageddon. We may let's call it an end of the world scenario. Well, that's the. Um, uh, that, that's the first distinction, which is that there's a distinction between an end-of-the-world scenario and just an ordinary apocalypse. Right. So you can have an apocalypse and stuff happens afterwards, and so you have post-apocalyptic scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are thinking that end-of-the-world and the apocalypse is sort of the same thing, but there's a big, big di- difference there. The other, the other one I've noticed is that they're good and bad ones. Right. Yeah, uh, right. So there are ones where um, basically you think, I mean, as, as Mark said, it's basically the kind of the judgment call as to who's done what according to this set of rules that I've, I've determined. Yeah. And if you got it right, well done yeah, and it's a vindication for all of this stuff you were mocked for throughout, mm. throughout your life um, it's bullies heaven yes absolutely. well no sorry <laughs> victims <laughs> heaven bullies <laughs> hell yeah. one might say the meek will inherit the earth <laughs> one might say that but it would seem a bit antiquated to say something like that <laughs> not to say a tad naive <laughs> well yes which bring, brings us on to there's also fictional and factual uh, mm. ones and uh, have, uh, they, have they been factual on again? No, no, they're coming. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that's <laughs> exactly it. I mean, have there been? Because, uh, or are there any? Because they're all presumably projections, unless we feel we've had an apocalypse such as the Ninth Age. Well, do you, we, I mean, there does, does, I mean, a lot of, lot of the sort of post-apocalyptic scenarios seem, seem not very strongly apocalyptic in as much as people seem to have survived them. <laughs> and that, you know, yeah, well, I, I think, as you say, I think, you know, there's a, a lot of um, fuzziness about what an apocalypse means, but I think a lot of people take it to mean something just very bad that kind of wipes out Most maybe people. a lot of people, yeah. or, or there are some zombies or something, and, yeah. then, <laughs> and then... There's usually zombies. <laughs> yeah. usually and zombies. then, you know, a group of survivors will, will rebuild often, or... Um, I was watching an interesting programme about um, John Wyndham a, a while ago, and... Right. Uh, um, he's obviously Dare the Triffids is a, is a famous post-apocalyptic novel and um, Brian Aldiss the, the writer was on being very 
very snoochy about um, John Wyndham and his um, very cosy kind of post-apocalyptic scenarios yeah. where, yeah. where everyone helps yeah. yeah where everyone sort of helps each other out afterwards and goes to the Isle of Wight and rebuild and stuff so um, that that's, that's the appeal of the, the apocalyptic scenario yeah is the idea that we could create year zero mm. or Year zero, no. even better than us having to create it. Better than, better than creating year one, make, I yes, seriously. We'd make year zero happen to us. Yeah. And then we would have no choice but to build the new utopian society without having to do all the work of kind of sorting out the mess we currently live in. And suddenly it. we'd get a clean slate. Or, or we'd also get some very high-powered motorbikes with spikes on and uh, yeah. drive <laughs> them up and down the roads and shoot people lots. But, you know, yeah. that's... Which often seems to happen. I mean, yeah, these are the kind of ones we're talking about here, aren't we? Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, they, um, but what, when it comes to, to stuff that's happening in the future, you, basically anything is game. And the only one that isn't really, the, the one that you, you should rule out, is, uh, is stuff where, where we have a belief that it just can't happen, such as a zombie apocalypse. Mm. But I think um, the, the aesthetic of them is, is very similar. I mean, the, the crossover is so strong. I, I read a... A book, and not particularly good book, but one that I enjoyed nonetheless, uh, called World War Z. Yes. Uh, about a forthcoming uh, a, a apocalypse, written in retrospective first-hand accounts. And while I was reading that, I was mentally berating the government for not having put in place sufficient preparations for a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and, and I had to check myself and think, no, wait a minute. There's a very good reason why they haven't put in place preparations for a zombie apocalypse. It is. That's true. I mean, there was there was a conference last year, um, which a uh, previous show. Um, yeah, what, the last the last slug show. Last yeah. slug show, yeah, slugs of time. Uh, a bite starts slugs of time, and Val, our occasional science fiction show, uh, which, which can, can also still be, be still be heard on freaktrigger.co.uk, um, referred to. Um, and the conference basically was about um, uh, disaster, so it was risk management and disaster scenarios and, and yeah, disaster and, scenarios. And and there was half a dozen potential, but plausible. Yeah, apocalypse. So I think so. The giant meteorite from space was one. Uh, sort of the space space implosion. Obviously, massive epidemics, and that and that is, I think, the most uh, likely. I, and it was ice age, global warming, possibly yeah. not ice age. The the actual the show we were doing was about the the arrival of a, an ice so age. Sure. Um, an ice age, yeah, <laughs> an, ice, an ice ice age. It was. It was very cozy. I've got to say, mentioning ice age, I'm, I'm very disappointed with uh, the upcoming ice age free film, uh, Rise of the Dinosaurs, which seems to have its. Uh, bearing in mind that in the in the first ice age film, they rescue a small, what appears to be Homo sapiens child. Now it's missing. It's messing around with his ice ages a bit, but nevertheless, um, they, they'll need to have a bleeding good excuse. Maybe it's a prequel. It's not a prequel because they've oh. got they've got the female mammoth that he picked up in the second film. It's already stuffed to gills with ridiculous characters, but you know. So, so yes, disappointed of that my sage uh, as I sages go. But yeah, no. This, so this conference, I, I remember reading a little bit about it after after the fact, and um, you know, again, whilst we mentioned sort of the, the kind of situation with uh, statistics in these these situations, it doesn't matter how likely something is when it actually happens. But um, the most likely scenario, I think, is mass epidemics. Of wiping, which will wipe people out. Um, um, when people say most likely, how mm. is the likeliness, in fact, worked out? Well, it's, it's done. The, I, I it, suspect that this actual this conference was about things yeah, like that. It was. It was but a risk. It was a risk management conference, which was trying to fathom the, as you as you suggest, the relatively unfathomable, which is what is the likelihood of us of a disease that we don't know about being contracted and then well, mutating. Epidemics and pandemics, you can at least go on previous form. Yeah. Whereas. I mean, Asteroid strikes. 
massive asteroid strikes, you know, we don't really... Well, the no, well, I mean, I think massive asteroid strikes is easier to work out because massive asteroids, you can actually look out there and see them moving yeah, around. But you can't see it yet. We can't see that many of them, though. We don't know the, the sort of I mean, square footage. We can just about make out other suns. That giant, that giant crater in um, Alaska, though, uh, the one, um, has, I think they, there was some new stuff this week about that and saying that it was almost certainly a small comet. And if a small comet isn't going to do much damage, apart from a, big, a really big hole. In, in yeah, but if it lands on a nuclear power plant... Okay, yeah, I see. So that's the kind of multiplication of, of risk that we're talking about here. Um, anyway, I, I think I think we're going to jump onto a tune now, cause, uh, and, and one which is very germane, again, to what we're talking about, um, using, using the, the idea of Armageddon as a cheap pun. Oh. 
Okay, that's um, the Sentier Chance by the Divine Comedy. Um, Magnus. <laughs> <laughs> that was your song, uh, that was your pick. Um, and any, any particular reason for that one? Uh, <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> Sorry, the, the, was, the, was the key to the, the portal is a bit long there? Sorry. <laughs> it's, um, uh, it has, uh, especially at the end, actually, which we skipped, which is uh, just because it's a very long track. Um, the, it's essentially a list of various forms of Armageddon, and it finishes off with uh, none other than Dexter Fletcher. Uh, running the worst. <laughs> the Armageddon. Actually, this, this, this is probably happening as, as we're talking. I'm going to put it back up so we can hear. Is it, is it here, this bit here we're going to be hearing? Dexter Fletcher talking and he's, he's going to he's going to there's quite a long bit of all this sort of okay. trilling violence right. and so well I know we're all looking forward to Dexter Fletcher telling us. <laughs> uh, and what he's going to do is line up. I assume I've got the right track. No, no, uh, um, <laughs> it's possible. Is it? This is this is good. This is good soundtrack. Soundtrack to to, to the fourth spooky apocalypse. apocalypse stuff anyway. But uh, but it, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I chose it. It's a bit of a filler track on an easy listening album. Um, so it's, I chose it more because it's Jermaine rather than yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, is this is this, 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 this is Neil. This is Neil Hannon's Been perhaps I fear it most of all. Uh, but he does list some of the alternatives that you were mentioning. One of the ones you didn't mention is a uh, technological face of soul. All right. Uh, oh, we played Neil down now. I think. Yeah. Like in war games. Uh, yeah, like in war games. I mean, the um, and I, I think it's uh, it's certainly one of the forms of uh, sort of apocalyptic fear that people have that there, there's going to be something technological which uh, is you know runaway or maybe some uh, a, a general sense in which technology is going to be uncontrollable and perhaps more intelligent than than people. I mean, it's a, a staple of science fiction. Like um, in like in the uh, the Terminator films. Yeah, and there's there's and the Terminator <laughs> TV show. <laughs> and yes, indeed, and the Terminator comics. <laughs> there, there was a writer who wrote about this called Kevin Warwick, who wrote. Uh, I think not just a writer. Not just a writer. He's a he's a he's a, 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 he's a, a professor. Real actual, actual, real academic. Academic. Yeah. actual real chip in his arm. Yeah, that's right. He um uh, he wrote a book called In the Mind of the Machine, which I read, assuming that it was going to tell me lots of comforting things like robots are never going to be smart enough and all to take us over. Says this robotics professor, and in fact, he said exactly the opposite. And at the end of reading that book, I was utterly convinced that we had no chance of surviving the oncoming growth of. In, in artificial intelligence of robots, and when they had this intelligence, they wouldn't suffer the human race. Well, you'd probably be dead by then, so it'll be all right. <laughs> that was his point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, we we went to see the uh, the recent Terminator Salvation. <laughs> There's no code on there; it's just Terminator Salvation. There's, it's about salvation the, by Terminator. Yeah, Salvation of the Terminators. Uh, it's a terrible movie, really is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah a big shame actually, because it had a lot of potential, and I've liked all of the other three. Does it have robots and explosions? Yes, it does, and that, that, and it has quite a lot of robots and explosions. But nevertheless, that's all the film needs. No, it's not. Need to colon. That, that's what I thought. Yeah, I thought it needs a colon. <laughs> yeah. I, I really thought I was going to come out of that saying it had robots, explosions, all the money on the screen. What else do you want? And actually, it turned out quite a lot. Yeah. Wow. It says you need you needed some kind of to care about these people, and it didn't happen. I mean, I'm a, I'm I'm not a fan of Terminator Two. Um, I, I find Judgment colon Judgment Day. It's got a colon at least. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and yeah. Judgment Day is spelt the fancy way without me. Yes, that's right. And uh, my, 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 big, my big beef with the film is that it's called Terminator 2 Judgment Day, but Judgment Day doesn't occur in it at all. Um, it's about Judgment Day without Judgment Does Day. Does Judgment Day occur Judgment Day occurs in, in, in free. It occurs in, um, in What's Name's Dream. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a swing, there's an atomic explosion, there's a child being um, evaporated, yeah. whatever the bad word for evaporated is. 
And well, that, that's yeah. a foretelling of a Judgment Day, but that's not yeah. Judgment it's, Day. It's, and Judgment Day actually happens in Terminator 3, um, called Colon. Again, the colon's very important. Rise of the Machines, which, as a film title, tells you exactly what you need to know. The machines do indeed rise in that film. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a big boost for Terminator 3 over Terminator 2, but Terminator Salvation, real stinker. I'm a big booster for the television show. Yeah, I, I, I've seen... Terminator colon... Yeah, Sarah the Sarah Connor Chronicles, though. Um, which is fantastic because it is about a bunch of people who are convinced that Judgment Day is going to come, mm. trying to live lives among people who don't know that. Yeah, normal people who have everyday lives who, of course, don't believe that Judgment Day is going to come and don't quite understand why John Connor won't go to school. Yes, <laughs> and they have all of these guns. Yeah, and they don't like computers. And his sister yeah, that, is. That uh, definitely is, goes back to my mm. sense that you know the great thing about for being a significant public awareness that the end is not mm. is that people aren't so bothered when you just do what you like it's a fantastic sort of libertarian fantasy mm. yeah this is no kind of amazing really very attractive uh sort of mother wolf type woman mm. who will do anything to protect her son against the entire world which just happens to contain conventional well not conventional morality but definitely conventional rules I mean, so it's, it's very, you know. It is. I mean, and, and the rules, which and you know, uh, you, you get into the, the sort of some of the, the more hokey ideas around. Um, well, of course, if if we're going to survive after the Armageddon, then we'll have to play by their rules. So we've got to get down and dirty too, and we can kill people mm. and that. Cause, uh, you know, morality goes out the window when when at the end of the world, right? Or does it? Mm. Are we human any longer? Are we human or are we dancer? No, we're, 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 we're human. We're human. We, we, this this question has been asked. This question has been asked a number of times, and uh, it will never stop being asked. It's it's definitely human. Um, what, what it's, it's actually the question that is asked at the end of Judgment Day. Yes. Yeah, I mean, when Aslan divides you into the ones who go behind the door and the ones. That <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, Magnus, your 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 favourite Armageddon. Then? My favourite Armageddon. Yeah. Which, oh. which which one would you like to be most involved in? Oh uh, well, definitely a cosy catastrophe. But I've got to have one. Yeah. Uh, the one I least want is Threads, uh, probably because I think that it it, it it strikes me as being very real and actually quite miserable. What, what reminds us what happens in Threads? Uh, Threads is a, uh, a a BBC Two film that was made in 1982, I think, um, by uh, directed by Mick Jackson, who went on to do lots of do documentaries. Very very good director. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was as realistic a telling as they could tell of a U.S.-Soviet nuclear conflict told from the point of view of some families living in Sheffield. As opposed to the very realistic Red Dawn, um, <laughs> told, told from the point of view of someone in Detroit, and uh, all the kids f beating the, uh, the Russian oppressors. So. That's not a thermonuclear war, though. No, Red no, Dawn, it was, it was more of a conventional land Conventional war, yes. um, invasion. Yeah, so, 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 but, and in Fred, it, it kind of gets bad very quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's the, um, uh, the point of the film. Is that it isn't really about the war or the build-up to it. In fact, that's almost ignored by all of the characters in it. It's just that when the war occurs... Uh, the, their lives turned upside down They're, and the b vast majority, about two hours are devoted to society attempting to rebuild itself in the aftermath it was put together by, uh, by uh, Jackson, the writer Barry Hines mm -hmm. as, as a, a kind of a warning um, to, to all the people who had no power over there being nuclear the war. Well, yeah, but there, there was a, apparently a very public attitude at the time to if there was a nuclear war, then it might be so-called winnable. Oh, right, it yeah. would be, you know, it just wouldn't be that bad. We get over it, and then we defeat the Soviets, and then you know, brilliant, the world is free. But um, of course, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't account for uh, mutually assured destruction or uh, 
as it's better known, mad. Yes. Uh, but the, I, the, I, I think it was more kind of just indulgent scaremongering, really, yeah. from, from these filmmakers who wanted to just put out something that was as nasty and, and uh, as visual as they could. Yeah, pretty much. But um, uh, on the other hand, I think it was also well-intentioned. I think they, they did have this point to prove. <laughs> There's nothing more exciting than well-intentioned <laughs> exploitative <laughs> scaremongering. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and Nicky, do, you, do you have a favourite end of the world scenario? Um, well, I'm not so keen on the ones where the world actually ends. So, I, yeah, I'm more of a fan of the ones where there's something a bit bad that happens, and then you know we you get another we... chance to do something else because um, you think you know perhaps my life's not been you know everything that I wanted it to be. So perhaps I'll be one of the survivors, and yeah. uh, I can be a I can be a leader, yeah. I can be a, a leader of men, and I can be yeah. a farmer. So I think things like, you know, I mean, that seems to have been a bit of a, I don't know what it is in the air that's been, and there was, there was all this stuff in the 80s, of fear of um, nuclear uh, annihilation then, and it seems to sort of go away for a while in the 90s, uh, apart from for, for this, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But then it seems to have co come back in the last decade. There's been a lot of post-apocalyptic post fiction, not about, not so much about nuclear attack, but, you know, um, diseases and, and so forth that were, you know things like Twenty Eight Days Later and yeah. uh, I mean the, 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 the zombie Return of the Zombie movie is it, it does play into this a lot um, and it's it's odd because it is a, it's a, a very rare and unlikely scenario but yet it seems to be one of the more favoured apocalypses at the moment well it's it's a kind of mob unruliness that they're, mm. they're sort of representing I mean the zombie movies themselves are divided into uh, but kind of the supernatural one which is that the dead come to life for no particular reason one which is almost implying that it's kind of a, a disease instead which is being spread from one person to another and if you brush over the fact that the people are actually dead then that doesn't seem like it'd be su such a, a distant prospect that there'd be a widespread disease where you know to say there was a fast spreading leprosy yeah uh, that would cause a <laughs> and not just good leprosy as well. <laughs> not good leprosy. So I, I, was watching, I was watching some episodes of House this week where, where uh, someone got the good kind of leprosy that makes you keep looking young for the rest of your life, which apparently is real, but very rare. But generally, the reason that these um, awful plagues don't come about that kill everyone is because, you know, the, the disease has to be keep its host alive, isn't it? I mean, that's mm. generally given the reasons why these things don't happen, is that um, oh, for sure, if, something, if something's too vicious, no, then... They um, don't spread too far. Yeah. If yeah. if it kills its host too quickly, then yeah. it contains itself. It needs an optimum incubation most, period, yeah. Yeah. which would ideally be you know several years and then a, a sudden trigger point simultaneously with all the, the population. Or potentially just a, a nice warm balmy summer, <laughs> <laughs> and in and in November we will we will discover the true cost of swine flu. <sighs> with that, I think I'm going to play another cheek. Uh, this is another song with Armageddon in the title. Uh, this is the the and Armageddon days. I oh think. yeah, so here again. Yes, I particularly oh. like the opening to this. Yes, it's nice, isn't it? Yes. Jesus Christ is coming, honey, you've got a new 
punches in your underclothes. You thank the good Lord for raising the Union Jack. You watch your ships sail out of harbor and the bodies come floating back. Watch your ships sail out of harbor and the bodies come floating back. But if you think that Jesus Christ is coming, honey, you got another. Playing, uh, Nick, you made a bit of a face. Um, it was your song. <laughs> it, was just, it was just when the when the chorus came along, and uh, Matt Matt Johnson was singing the line that if you, but if you think that Jesus Christ is coming, honey, you've got another thing coming. Yes. Well, um, this is um, an interesting point because uh, I think what Matt Johnson really meant to say is you've got another think coming, which is of course the correct formulation. But it's been suggested that perhaps he knew exactly what he was doing. And there was actually a, a thing of some description coming along with well, Jesus. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of, of thought has gone into this 
into every line of this song. Well, certainly, yeah. certainly if, if, for instance, <laughs> if the real Jesus Christ were to stand up today, he'd be gunned down cold by the CIA. Well, that makes you think. Yeah, it does make <laughs> doesn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, this this album was 1989. Eight, uh, eight, 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 um, or maybe not. Ooh, I no, I'm trying to remember, yeah. Um, uh, but, I mean, you were suggesting, Mark, that it would be very difficult to write that line now. I was wondering if someone on writing that line would think again and think, this surely has been said. <laughs> <laughs> think something, yeah. This yeah. has been said often enough. But does that make it untrue? Mm. And uh, when it comes to the Armageddon, you know, it's all it's not important. The, the other thing about the Armageddon's in it, um, Islam is rising. That's not really an Armageddon. I mean, it might lead to one. No, he's not saying that's but, the Armageddon. He's just but saying, ooh. The, the idea that if the Reds took over or the Greens... See what oh, yeah. there. Yeah, no, or yeah. the um, <laughs> so usually the oranges are invoked about anything about race. Usually, usually if I remember that form, I don't care if you're white, black, purple. yellow, or orange. Uh, it's or purple. purple. Is it purple? purple. Or well, even, oranges, Protestants. But I have a problem with purple because purple people eat it as purple um, and, and yellow. Of course, in the in the uh, hundred years ago, the, it was the rise of the yellow, which was mm. Mm, um, the yellow peril. Yeah, but up. but what I'm getting at is that. If a particular religion actually took over the whole world, that's not Armageddon. There's no. lots of people there. They just all think the same thing. No, absolutely. So, and one, it, why is that bad? It sounds good to me. Then you don't have to worry about what you have to think. The one lyric in there. Oh, you'd want to live in 1984, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't think. He, I, don't think <laughs> I don't think he's saying Islam's rising. That, that therefore it's coming. I think he's saying there's all different forces that are arising, and it's going to create some big, kind of big. battle. Well, exactly. On that's a field. Better. Yeah, okay. on a field outside wherever it is. Field of Gideon. Uh, I, I'm, I'm learning. I, li I listen as well as talk. <laughs> and no, it doesn't look like it. There was uh, the line, you reap what you sow, mm. somewhere in it, which I think is the kind of, that's the the classic Armageddon thing. Is you? Yeah. It was your fault. Yes, and not my fault, because I, was, I wasn't involved. And so yeah. that's why, and that's, that's, the, that's kind of the thing about the surviving Armageddon thing, is that if there is, if there is a, a, a nuclear war tomorrow, I'm more likely to survive than... Um, say John Denham or someone in, in government. I don't, don't know why I picked John Denham in particular, but, <laughs> <laughs> but someone, you've someone, always someone, had it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've drained yeah. his swimming pool. He's got no chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because because I wasn't, I haven't been directly involved in it, and so therefore I will then be able to build this new world order uh, because I, I deserve it. I was thinking that was the that's the sort of main difference between the kind of nuclear paranoia I grew up with in the nineties oh. and the kind of mutually assisted destruction one was that. Mad suggests that, like, there is um, an American president who has a red telephone, mm. and it will be his fault. For Batman. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> red button. I think it's a red button. Okay. Uh, God, what a mistake to make. I was only calling Batman. <laughs> oh, this soft war. You Batman. Yeah. Um, it's all right. He'd be, be too busy protesting on the outside of Buckingham Palace for Fathers of Justice mm. or something like that. So it's... Yeah. But, but he is a father too, after all. Robin is his ward, so he does count. He's, he's, a, he's a carer. He is he a carer. He may not be a parent. He may not be a parent. Well, um, anyway, yes. In a sense, um, all of Gotham yeah. are his ward. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, I the irony if Robin's real dad were to dress up as Batman. Robin's, I think Robin's, Robin's real, real dad, dad is dead. died in a tragic oh. circus accident. Yeah. Depends on well, 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 it all. Well, yeah, all, all, all the, actually, the current Robin's real dad is Bruce Wayne. Really? But Bruce Wayne is dead. Uh, or is he? I know. It's anyway, the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were right to move on there. Very good. Yeah. Um, but so, in the kind of the mutually assisted destruction version of the world, it will be somebody's fault. Like the Soviets yeah. will drop the bomb, or the Americans will drop the bomb, or currently the North Koreans will drop the bomb, or Whopper will drop the bomb. <laughs> 
Whopper being the computer from War Games. Yes. Yes. Based on Burger, which was the actual computer. That, actually, it's yeah. the other way around. Whopper is the real one. Burger is the one that featured in War Games. Ah. I know. I'm pretty sure the one in War Games is Whopper. In that case, I defer to you. Yes, but uh, never, nevertheless. Uh, I, I think this argument is a game that no one can win. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Um, whereas the version that we had in the 90s was much more that the world was going to end and there was nothing... It wouldn't... No one in specific would be to blame. The mm. dolphins were dying and it was just kind of happening. So the where, who pressed was, the button? Or was there no button? There was no button. It was just happening. So you, you I, so think, like, I think you, you completely misunderstand be, how nuclear weapons work. But there, no, there was going to be an <laughs> accident. Set them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was going to be an. <laughs> you know, I can see them going for it. They like playing, you know. They do like playing, but you just don't let them play with the, with the nuclear with weapon button. It's got to stop um, saving the dolphins. They're dangerous. Is this why? Is this why there are so many nuclear submarines? In a never-ending fight against the dolphins with nuclear weapons strapped to their back, suddenly I always wondered why they had them there. Why, why yeah. were they submarines? It seemed seemed a dumb place to put nuclear weapons. Well, didn't I think the during the Iraq War, didn't all the dolphins with bombs strapped on them just suddenly disappear in a sinister way? Uh, they jumped through hoops and blew up. Yeah, but yeah. I, 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 I think that the shift in sensibility—it's a, a shift from the the sixties and seventies—was a really a hangover of of technocratic managerialism which means that the world is run by actually a relatively small number of very bright but very deluded people but the 90s idea because of the basically the spread of market ideology is that uh, nobody's responsible for the whole nobody's responsible nobody's singularly responsible for capitalism it's all our fault yeah and the problem with the ecological problems are all our fault and so everyone ends up sort of pointing at everyone else saying it's kind of your fault, you people over there, so we're not going to do anything until you do it, do, until you clean up your act, and then nobody does. And so we sort of fritter fritter uh, the world away until there's nothing left of it. Which and is just going to be a mistake. Well, which is, which is kind of... Everything. Which kind of leads away, because that, that's, that's the, sort of the big mistake. That's the idea, you know, the... the, the but do, it's the just, Doctor Strange love But it will be scenario. a small mistake. But no, because the Doctor Strange love scenario is kind of wacky satire. In a lot of ways, it's not that wacky. Well, you know, Stanley, Kub- it, yeah. Stanley Kubrick can't do wacky. And the mutually assured destruction already existed. And yeah. It, yeah. it was the were the what's built into it is um, the games theory idea mm-hmm. that actually people were not doing this because it was in their best interest. They could they could mutually work out that it was in their best interest not to go down this this it's road, like- but that the machinery might take them down that road because it had all sorts of. Um, mm-hmm cybernetic things built into it so I mean in, in and it's not as if this didn't happen anyway no. that, that there were early warning systems which set off when the moon rose there's a quite a famous incident in the 80s where the, the moon rose and the thing set off and the particular soldier that was in charge of it just decided not because he thought actually you know what I don't want to the war to end yeah. now so I'm not going to let the White House know that I believe he got fired though as well I believe that's already get fired yeah, for not following his, his key order, which was to follow the computer, which would have done the wrong thing. So that's mm. kind of... Th- but that, that was the centre plot of, of war games. It kicked off when they took yeah. the human element out of the yeah. computer strategy. Exactly, yeah. Um, the, 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 the new sort of big Armageddon, or the, the big end-of-the-world scenario that's been laid at our feet now, of course, is um, the slow tedium of global, global warming. Um, and, you know... The oh no, the water is going to rise by six inches. We will yeah. all die. And rise by a, a fraction of a millimeter year on year. Yeah, I'm sitting, sitting 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 here in in, in a field in Glastonbury on a hot day, such as we are, watching the you know the the biggest problem we've seen so far this morning 
is uh, Lauren Laverne. Well, Lauren, well the, all the bands, but Lauren Laverne stuffing her copy of the Daily Telegraph down the toilet. I mean, it's it, 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 you wonder whether or not we'll be we'll be able to survive everything getting that little bit hotter. You know, the waters rising, and it's you know, and the, the, but when films try and do it, I mean, the day after tomorrow being the sort of biggest stab at this recently. It has to go from a quick, oh, uh, the climate's changed to New York freezes under more water than the world has in it already. You know, they, they, they just invent stuff like that. So, My, my favourite um, film ac- apocalypse mm. is uh, Godzilla and the Smog Monster. Right. Hejira, I think it is. In, mm. And uh, in that, the Smog Monster, there's a lot of quite psychedelic stuff earlier on about the Smog Monster emerging and getting larger and yeah. cruising around the... And the initial attempt to uh, defeat it is that the kids put on a rock festival on top of a mountain. (laughs) And there's a a tremendous build-up to this rock festival, and lots of the kids go to the top of the mountain, and they have the whole rock festival, which appears to take like the central three hours of the film. And guess what? It doesn't make the slightest <laughs> difference. What, what, were they, what were they trying to do? Were they trying to make the small monster feel better about himself? And it's not terribly clear. It's a, it's it is an absolutely awesomely great film. But one of the things that's awesomely great is you're not terribly sure what's happening a lot of the time. <laughs> it looks great, uh, in, including having some of the yuckiest. Um, pictures of pollution in, really? in a sort of trashy type movie that I can remember. What year was it? 68 or 69. Okay. So yeah, I mean, they were starting to worry about it then, there's when Tokyo was getting very large, but well, it's still... It's a bit, it's a step aside from, because the traditional Gojira yeah. storyline is that the threat the is nuclear. Yeah. And this time it was the, the monster is, the small monster is pollution. Well, so, and so it, they've the created as well, because Godzilla is Particularly is, is the upshot of an American testing, and so it, it it's pushes their relationship with America. Yeah, quite I mean that, that, that's part of the part of the issue is that this is yes American style consumerism mm. is eating away at Japanese traditional values. Although Japanese style consumerism was rampant <laughs> at the time, so there is uh, I think about it being in '68 is that I think in about '65 definitely. 50s into the 60s, there was one of the biggest um, oh, pollution, pollution-related trials in Japan. Mm. Um, not that I can't. That? It's called something like Minimata. Uh, yeah, Minamoto-byo. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the village of which is uh, water pollution. Mm. I think that Minamoto disease, which a bunch of people came down, or is it asthma? <laughs> let's, go, let's go with the Minamoto disease. I, I it it's, was, it's definitely it's the Minamoto disease. Yeah, um, I thought it was children being born deformed too. To um, right. well, cheer the program <laughs> up momentarily. Um, it's all right. We, it's can, we can look out among Glastonbury and deform children of, is an easy thing to think of. <laughs> it's the great watershed in kind of um, the development of act- of something resembling corporate social responsibility in post-war yeah. Japan, um, because they, the residents of Minamoto just didn't stop complaining. Yeah, and you know, campaigned for ten years, fifteen years before they managed to get. Mm. I think even just an admission of responsibility, I'm not entirely sure they ever got any money know. or anything. Yeah. No. But whereas, if you compare something like the Ashio Copper Mine case, which was in 1910, mm. the government just did not do anything, anything about it, and that was yeah. Sad. Um, you're it's uh, not a spoiler uh, in the film, perhaps, to say that that the small monster is actually defeated. Because <laughs> Not really. Well, <laughs> is, is, is it one that turns up in later films to team up with him, though? Because obviously, God, no, one, one of Godzilla's main main roots was to beat them up and then they'd join him at Monster Island and they'd go out and... So Mothra would join forces with him in later films. I, I don't remember if 
if the smog monster appears in other films. He does appear as a character in um, Gary Punter's um, long-running cartoon about a punk rocker in Los Angeles. Um, and not only does the smog monster appear in it, but the smog monster's girlfriend, Judy, also <laughs> is, 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 is she? And she has, she has the smog monster's face, which mm. is very distinctive because it has one eye like this and one eye like that. Yeah. And then a really blobby. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this and that, there, Mark, wasn't so strong on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one's, one's a sort of vertical ogive, and then one's a horizontal ogive. Gotcha. Right, right. And, um, but she wears kind of skin tight leopard skin trousers <laughs> <laughs> uh, with this fantastic head. I think I think and, we may we may need to post some pictures up of yeah, uh, the smog um, monster uh, on uh, Tricky Trigger because no. uh, I can't remember the name of the of the punk rocker who the whole cartoon is about, which is annoying. Cause again, doesn't it? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll we can link, post it. In we'll the analogy, great, great. In, in the analogy of smog monster versus Godzilla, are they then saying that the environmental problem can be solved by nuclear weapons? Well, what it Godzilla, I, I think America no, are toying with that one. Is, is the spirit of the defeat of the nuclear threat? He isn't cool. actually the nuclear threat itself, right? Yeah. He's he's called into being by the nuclear threat, but he isn't actually the nuclear threat himself. He's a big green monster. Yeah, he's a big well, he's a dinosaur so with with laser vision and can blow breathe. Yeah, See, so I haven't asked you what your favourite Armageddon is yet. My favourite Armageddon. I was trying to think. You don't get good. these questions on Jonathan Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I. Um, I know very strongly what my least favourite Armageddon is. What's that? When will you die in it? Or? No, I think my favourite Armageddon is the one in which I and everyone I know dies. So, oh, just, okay, so nobody has to worry about anybody oh, else. I see. No, that's very nice. That's, yeah, it, see, yeah. Yeah. The final, like, that's what the final day is basically about. Yeah. That's why it's such a calming and relaxing song. Is uh, it's just saying, you don't know, worry. it's all over. The rich people die last, but they do will die. Mm. So, hurrah. Mm. Whereas oh, hurrah. <laughs> the, the Armageddon I really don't like is the one where the sort of lone, usually male character is left living in the Ritz um, in a kind of completely abandoned London and he walks through this abandoned London and moping, kind of has... Moping a bit. Moping but being poetic and being melancholy. Mm. And then and suddenly, out of the blue, about halfway through the film, someone else is alive. Yeah, a beautiful lady else. turns up. A lady appears and she is his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has to be, really. <laughs> she hasn't got a choice. Yeah. Uh, but... So the I Am Legend, Amiga Man's type, type. But yeah, the kind of the, the the one man, but the one man who's left behind and he doesn't have a hard life. Yeah. The one man who's left behind. And if there's one man left behind, then you've got a few supermarkets out there to, to plunder. Basically, he has everything. It's because it's, it's always not so much the I Am, I Am Legend because he's left with an intact London, mm -hmm. or he's left with an intact um, luxury hotel somewhere, as happens in the. Crystal World or the Drowned World? Drowned World. Drowned World. Um, he has an intact luxury hotel. He has all the food he needs. He has everything he needs for life. But just not those pesky masses and those pesky rubbish people around him that he always hated. So, yeah, it, that, it, is, it's, that is my least favourite of all for, the Armageddon. For bitter people. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> the selfish, bitter man's Armageddon. Let's hope I he doesn't break his glasses. Yes, yeah. well, indeed, yeah. <laughs> um, Magnus, um, you, you bought a couple of tracks in. I played one. Um, mm. The other one intrigued me because it's from the soundtrack to a video game. Well, it's, sort of. It's, uh, yes, sort of is exactly right. It's um, the video game is Metal Gear Solid Two, which is uh, a lesson. If you if you watch all fourteen hours of its uh, cutscenes, <laughs> you'll be told in no uncertain terms that nuclear war is a bad thing. Right. Okay. It's good to know. Um, <laughs> Shall I, I just play this and the song will the song will let's uh, know as not well? quite actually because uh, the, this song which cap finishes the the game was uh, originally vilified. There were comments about it were absolutely poisonous. So someone very enterprising 
took it on and remixed it in the form of Portishead. Okay, well let's let's see how this how this goes. So the song was originally jolly and yeah, well it was um it's more sort of really fey and empty. Okay, yes. And the credits went up during yes. it, and you always could move on during the credits. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. What's this track actually called, Magnus? Uh, this track is called Big Shell West Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> of course, um, the Bristol bit is, is the remix is title. The, yeah. And uh, Big Shell is the name of the oil rig on which most of the game takes place. Right. And uh, in it you've um, attempted to defeat a mobile bipedal nuclear weapon launching machine. Okay. Which is under the control of some, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but <laughs> vampires and your own genetic twin. <laughs> <laughs> And where is that in your scenarios of apocalyptic scenarios? Uh, uh, that falls under fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think it's probably a bad, bad scenario. It, I mean, what, why would vampires want to wipe out their, their food source? Food that's exactly it. <laughs> that, that, that's very true. It's one of, one of the big problems of the whole vampire mythology is that vampire epidemics are unlikely to happen. It's not in their interest. If they've got a choice between killing yeah, something and feeding you weren't it, paying attention during... Queen of the Damned, where it's <laughs> clearly sorted out the fact that, that humans are the 
harvest and they're not wiped out. It, no, I know. The I'm whole not, problem of that is watching. that rogue vampires <laughs> Sometimes, want to wipe yes. them all out and the other vampires, etc. Yes. Isn't, isn't it a desire to control and sort of make humans into cattle? Well, yeah, that's... I mean, that's sort of terrorise into that seems to the mistake. That seems to be the mistake that the, the vampires seem to make is that they don't do that. Because they should be in a position to rule over the humans. They're stronger, faster. Maybe it's because they recognise the indomitable spirit of the human race. Mm. They would always win in the end. That's not really it. (laughs) 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 But, um, Mark, you've mentioned before this sort of thesis that you have that they're kind of analogous to royalty and as if they're they're an elite that wouldn't want to mix with the masses. Well, it's not my thesis. It's Anne Rice's. Oh, sorry about that. I mean, that's her her mythos of vampires, is Mm. that they are this elder race who are essentially at war with each other because there are the ones who are uncontrollably psychotic and the ones who who feel that it, the better way of dealing with this is by staying back and being in the shadows and kind of mildly snacking <laughs> on the available food source. Mm. And that uh, all history, human and vampire history, is driven between by the class struggle between these two types of vampires. That's unright, not me. Yeah, no, I, no. I think it's an awesome idea. Yes, no, no, that's it. Well, you, <laughs> you, you, mentioned, you mentioned snacking there, and our, our two hours are almost up, so we, we may pop out to the, the field. You, any particular food you're looking forward to, Magnus? Uh, I, I normally get food poisoning at Glastonbury, so I'm sticking to vegetarian. Oh, okay. And Nick? Well, I've, this is my first time backstage, so I'm looking forward to some, you know, some luxury stuff. I'm yeah, not, I'm not I, be Yeah, I, I, I saw a. I saw Reggie's private food back there, Reggie and Fern's oh, private food, so I think when they're doing the chart show tomorrow, we could, yeah. we could definitely dip in there. Is there anything you're looking forward to food-wise? Perry is food, right? Perry it's is food. Oh, no. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I mean, the, the, what we're mainly looking forward to is going getting our, our two-litre bottles of, um, of Brothers Bar Cider and, and mm. just drinking uh, for the rest of the day, because um, our time is almost up. We're gonna, we, we'll be jumping back in the Reza Wagon, uh, those of you who are aware of the Reza Wagon, um, tomorrow. But... Um, Great weekend ahead of us. Uh, we haven't actually been at Glastonbury. Obviously, the BBC have got rights, the sole performing rights, uh, distribution rights for Glastonbury. So we've been pretending, Aww. just in case they see residents. The residents love the place; don't want to be sued at all. Um, we've been freaky triggering Laura Lyles of Pop, Mark Sinker, hello, uh, Cicely Nile Smith, hello, and Nick Dustor, hello, Magnus Anderson. Hello. You should actually be saying goodbye now. <laughs> <and leaving. laughs> I didn't want to because they were saying yeah, hello. Yeah, <laughs> it's your first show, Nick. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> um, it's been a terrific 15-week 15 uh, week run. Um, thank you for putting up with our nonsense. Um, coming up next week in the same slot is the welcome return of Max Tundra's Roto Guave, uh, some remarkable music uh, in remarkable ways. Um, I think coming up next is the official soundtrack show, and that just leaves me to play the song I was going to play earlier, which treats Armageddon like a cheap pun. This is um, Def Leppard and Armageddon. It. Oh, 